You're listening to Campfire Conversations, brought to you by Three Rivers Land Trust, committed to conservation. We did it again. We got got us a got us another big fish. Got got another whale. If you listen to uh, last week, we had uh, had a fish. Pretty decent sized fish. We got a bigger one today. Yeah, we got the big kahuna. Right. Yeah, yeah we got right. the big kahuna back. So this is going to be maybe titled Big Kahuna 2. I don't know. We haven't decided on that yet. But uh, Travis Moorhead, that's who we're referring to, the executive director of Three Rivers Land Trust. Welcome back to the show. Hey, it's good to be here, guys. You guys have done an awesome job at, at, at the podcast. I mean, you started a little over a year ago and. and you have landed truly some big fish really quick. So uh, I'm proud of what you guys did on sort of a – seemed like a crazy idea yeah, at the time. Had, it was a, it was a, more of a joke when we started. <laughs> <laughs> it's really got some traction, so good for you guys. Yeah, thank you. Um, we uh, we try. But, uh, no, in all seriousness, it's uh, it's been good for getting the word out. Oh, it's been great. And the uh, reason having you back today is to uh, kind of recap 2019 and uh, how things have been going – People enjoy hearing from you and Crystal, especially. I've, heard, I've got a lot of feedback on those two episodes in yeah. particular. Um, people saying how much they enjoy learning about, you know, the ins and outs of what we're doing, yeah. and more or less the, you know, the behind the scenes paperwork yeah. type stuff of what, what's going on. So let's uh, let's jump right into it and talk about big happenings. We had a lot of big happenings in 2019. Yeah. Um, not just me and Sam having this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we had some big stuff. The biggest thing being the uh, the merger. Yeah. So, you know, we we were had been talking to a sister land trust, uh, the Sand Hills Area Land Trust down east for about a year and a half, and uh, conversations got really sort of uh, more serious towards the end of the last year, and and both boards decided to make a decision, and we ended up merging and adding five counties to our footprint. We now cover, as you know, fifteen counties. We cover basically Harnett County all the way uh, west towards Iredell. So, I mean, any way you cut it, it's about a three-hour three change if you want to go from one side of the region to the other. It's a, it's a long way, and uh, we're excited about it. It's been, it's been great for us from a financial standpoint and great for them in the sense that, you know, we got to help them with some projects with Crystal's expertise that she brought to the table that uh, we really closed some, some great projects. And uh, it's going to be great for both organizations now that we're one. It's uh, it's great for us. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, it added it added quite a bit of uh, reach for for the organization to be able to go that far southeast and still be able to maintain our original footprint as well. And we're now covering multiple watersheds, not just the Yak and PD. That's right. Um, we actually cover um, Cape Fear and a little bit of the uh, I guess it's the Lumber. That's right. As well, so we're still three rivers. Yep. Um, but it's more like three watersheds now. Yeah rather than three little rivers, I guess. And we've had some great partners, and we picked up great partners down down the way. We had not only local salt supporters who, who came over and made the transition with us, but you know we picked up a great partner in Fort Bragg and having a partnership with the military to help buffer Fort Bragg from development. Um, being a former soldier from Fort Bragg, stationed at Fort Bragg, jumping out of airplanes at Fort Bragg, it's like going home down there and seeing yeah. folks I hadn't seen in a long time and seeing the landscape I hadn't seen in a long time. So. It, it's something special to me personally, but uh, knowing that we're playing a part 
to keep one of uh, North Carolina's biggest industries uh, protected so that they can continue to do their job, which is trained to protect us. It's, uh, it's an awesome responsibility, one I'm proud that we get to do every day. And uh, we've got some good things cooking for next year, so we're hoping to, to really make a good lick at it. Can you explain yeah. ACUB to everybody? So ACUB is the program in which we are, are signatory to now. Um, it's the Army Compatible Use Buffer, ACUB, Army Compatible Use Buffer. And it basically means that we're responsible for helping the Army to uh, conserve the land around Fort Bragg to limit the impacts of training for both the soldiers' perspective and uh, for residents' perspectives. Because I, I, I grew up down there in the military, I, I trained down there, and I certainly lived nearby. And so, you know, when we're doing training, you have an impact range where you have um, artillery going off, where you have firing ranges, and, and, the, and we have aircraft flying, you have drones flying now. Um, you, you, need, you need good training areas to keep that force ready to do what it's supposed to do which in the 18th Airborne Corps case or 82nd Airborne Division is to be anywhere in the world in 18 hours or less to, to jump into combat, fight, and win. And so uh, that came back really quick. I'm glad that that's still, that's still with me. Yeah, so, I like that. Yeah. I, was, I, was grinning, I was grinning the whole time. Yeah. I was hoping he was going to say fight and win. Yeah, and that's what, that's what when I was there, that's what we trained to do, and uh, now we get to do that. And you know what, guys, I, I looked the other day. There, North Carolina's three, three of North Carolina's top industries. One is defense, which we – Obviously, help enhance by doing the buffers, but two is is agriculture. You still, know, even still, agriculture. Uh, yeah. yeah, and so you know, we do conservation easements on ag lands to make sure that ag lands stay available for farming. Uh, that's one of our big roles. And then the third major industry is tourism. Think about what we did this year with the Alcoa Game Lands, what, the additions to Mar Mountain State Park and the local parks. Major I mean, league fishing. Major league fishing. I mean. We really have done a, a good job to, to make sure that, that these three industries are supported in North Carolina, and that's the land trust role, and it's, I'm really proud to be a part of it. I hope you guys are. I actually didn't, I didn't know that. Yeah. And that's like, being that tied into all three of those, pretty unique. Yeah, well, it's, it's like some states have, uh, I don't know, some states have other industries, that's our three. Yeah. And without it, you know, we're broke. <laughs> <laughs> so we can't even do conservation work, but. Man, I want to talk a little bit more about buffering for the military. I want you to tell the analogy that you tell the board why ACUB's important, like especially our pre-existing board, not so much the SALT former right. board because they already knew, but the analogy where you talk about nobody wants to have a what dropped in their backyard. Yeah, that's right. So um, in my former life when I was a younger man, I used to be a jump master, and we would uh, you'd fly off and, and do a route and come back to Fort Bragg to, to, to exit jumpers out of the aircraft. and. Uh, we'd have to make sure that you have heavy drops come in, which you drop anywhere from Humvees to artillery pieces to, to whatever, and they go in first and then followed by the, the paratroopers themselves. Um, and so we've had, and when I was at Fort Bragg, we dropped Humvees, uh, either had an accident, the Air Force dropped them early, um, and they've landed in people's backyards before. So, you know, we want to make sure that we don't drop either paratroopers or uh, equipment in somebody's backyard and you wake up and you, you find a Humvee in your backyard you live next to Fort Bragg, that's not a good thing. So, uh, yeah, it, it's exciting to, to hang outside an aircraft and look down and see houses, but it's even better to, to see nothing and, and have to get your uh, bearings off that to exit, pro to exit jumpers properly. I actually don't, you may know this, but I don't think many people know how vast the protected land around Fort Bragg really is and how many conserved acres there are. Yeah. Do you have a rough yeah, idea of how many? It's 260,000. I want to make sure. Yeah. I'll look it up. Yeah, so it is. It's huge. Um, 
you, you have you know maneuver areas where you have people that need to maneuver, but you also have static areas that you can do artillery fire or um, drop zones. I mean, so it's it's well over 100, 150,000. It might be two hundred thousand acres. I'm not real sure, but it's 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 one of the largest in the so- southeast. It has the Forces Command, which is, uh, they call it uh, the Little Pentagon. Is it Fort Bragg? It's a command at Fort Bragg now that wasn't there when I was there in the 90s and early 2000s, but uh, it got moved there. So you have more flag officers and uh, generals there than almost than you do at the Pentagon. So it's really, it's a place that we want to make sure stays in North Carolina and there's no, never a reason to, to, to move that uh, installation. I'm not saying there is, I'm sure there's not, but uh, they've invested a lot in it. We'll make sure that they, uh, they get their money's worth. Yeah, so it's uh, 163,000 acres, and it serves a population of 270,000. Okay. Um, you yeah. ready for some? You ready for some good hosting? Yeah. So to show how vast that is, we're and going into our next point of things that we did in 2019, we conserved two uh, 2,463 acres on the Yadkin River. So that was a massive conservation project for public access, but. Just showing you, that's a big chunk of land for phase one of the Alcoa project compared to the 160,000 yeah. over there at Fort Bragg. Fort Bragg, is a, I mean, that is a big conservation focus for us. But let's talk about Alcoa yeah. for a little bit. Yeah, Alcoa, I mean, you guys were at the front lines. You guys got to see exactly what we were able to do with our partners at the North Carolina Wildlife Resources Commission, uh, working with them to make sure that uh, these lands stay permanently protected and conserved. Now, they own the lands. We just helped raise about three, a little shy of $3 million, about $2.7 million to purchase that. Um, that total price was, Sam, if you remember, $7.7 million. But if we didn't get it uh, this September, we'd have lost the opportunity of both that land and the land on Tuckertown. So uh, we're in the game. Uh, we're raising money every day to try to get that next phase done. But uh, this organization played a pivotal role, and the donors that gave to this organization, National Wild Turkey Federation and others, uh, many of you are out there listening probably, and I don't want to leave anybody out, but there, there are a lot of folks who made that happen, and, and we were just the conduit to do it. But we're very proud of our role and, and thankful for our partners, especially the commission, the Wildlife Resources Commission, and them bringing uh, extra monies to, to phase one to make it happen so uh, so that future generations of North Carolinians, Cody, you know, right. can hunt and fish that land that, that you helped conserve. Yeah, I mean, I can even give a shout-out to folks listening to this podcast um, one in particular, a really good listener of ours, I called him up, said, hey, you know, we're raising funds for phase two, just cold call. And he's like, well, yeah, put me down for 50 bucks. I'm, I'm into it. You know, I learned about it on the podcast, and that's where I'll go to hunt, and I want to I see it protected. We actually uh, we actually saw him out at your talk over there at Backcountry and Beyond. Is that who you're talking about? Yep. Mm-hmm. Came out and met with us and talked. Um, and that was like the first time that we had ever – and at the um, Dixie Deer Dixie Classic. Deer class and that's the met. first time that somebody had ever came up to us and said, somebody listens to the podcast and wants to meet you guys. We are like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Couldn't believe Super that. Super great guy, great listener, great conservationist and supporter. So, yeah, yeah it's you know all because of members and donors and mm-hmm. good partnerships. Yeah, but, sure enough. Yeah, so we're still pushing for that phase two section. Yeah, had a great call today. No, I don't want to jinx it, but really had a good call today with a potential donor. And so we're... We're excited about it, and we're hoping that uh, that we'll pull off phase two. We got uh, a little over eighteen months to to make it happen, uh, and uh, I feel good about it, Cody. I really do. And Sam, I think I think we'll get there. It's just going to be getting the word out there like you guys do every day. So what's let's talk just 
quickly about logistics of phase two, what that entails, acreage, yeah. and price tag on that piece. Yeah, so the price tag is more expensive than phase one. The price tag is $8.5 million. It's basically the whole eastern shore of the Tuckertown Reservoir. It might be a little odds and ends that are out, but really from, from dam to dam and even, yeah, past mm-hmm. that a little bit uh, in Montgomery County. Um, and the total acreage is going to be over 2,400 acres. And the number of miles on the Yakin River, 31 miles of shoreline. So, uh, you know, again, we had 45 miles of shoreline uh, before. Now we've got 31 miles of shoreline. But this is much thicker. So the, the phase one was a sort of thinner strips um, along the river, which is important. Nothing wrong with it. But this is a more substantial chunk. has a major natural heritage site on it um, with Bald Mountain. And, uh, you know, we've got to get it done, folks, and, and need your help to do it. Yeah, it's got... Uh in addition to that, that natural heritage site, it's got multiple rattlesnake hibernaculums. It's actually the farthest north that the rattlesnake range runs in the Piedmont of North Carolina. We've obviously got rattlesnakes on the coast in the coastal plain and rattlesnakes, you know, in the mountains. But in the Piedmont, they're kind of a, a novelty. Right. So you've had experience with that hibernaculum. Oh yeah, yeah, they're definitely there. I can I can tell you firsthand they're there. Um, so that's there. How many did you see? I've saw six at one time there before. So pretty insane to see six yeah, rattlesnakes at one time. Insane. But uh, it'll make you walk walk funny. Yeah. But um, then on top of that, it's also got a endangered species, which is the Yakin River goldenrod um, right there near the uh, the dam. So that's why it's important. It's yeah. important, and it's, and it's fairly developable, you know, if it were not to be conserved compared to the high rock portion which is why right. one reason it's more expensive yeah um it's uh be a great place for mcmansion right on top of the hill right so you know it's just important that we get that done there's that game we play <laughs> yeah. uh what uh but that sort of leads us into i mean so a big hit this year you know when you can serve 2400 acres that that would be a great year for any land trust at any one time but what what we're able to do with the staff that we've got and the, and the donors that we've got we're actually tracking to do 4,000 acres this year, close 4,000 acres. So go from 26 to over 30,000 acres on our March 30 campaign. Um, if I remember right, I think we're at 3,700 acres conserved right now. Um, a lot of those big licks came from Alcoa, but a lot of them have been smaller farms, and we've done a 400-acre project in one county that uh, we haven't publicized yet, but it's it's been awesome. And we've got uh, 300 acres to go, and we've got 500 acres Plus, I guess we've got 600 acres on the docket to close before the end of the year. So, And meeting with new landowners every day. Yeah. Um, Crystal and I have got a meeting with a, a prominent landowner tomorrow morning. So, so, and that's what the great thing is. I mean, with, with the relationship that we're, we're, that we're developing and the friends we've already have, we're really making a big impact for conservation. I, I, I'd love to say we can do 4,000 acres next year. I don't know that we can, but we're going to give it a, a good try. Um, we, we definitely got our goal for next year is over 1,000. But, uh, you know, we could very well with a couple projects, you know, go beyond that. So we're excited. Right, right. Well, uh, explain a little about how just those projects help those uh, those three things, the tourism, the military. Yeah. And what was the third one? I left Agriculture. 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 So, Agriculture. How are these projects on the March 30,000, how is that benefiting those um, ecological, ecological drivers yeah. in North Carolina? Yeah. So, um we did do some military buffering uh, this year um, with uh, with participation from Clean Water Management Trust Fund, another great partner of ours. And I would be 
uh, regret not mentioning them. They helped us secure some lands that uh, the military uses to train on. And uh, so that was a big, a big component this year from our Sandhills perspective. Um, you know, we just put an application in or putting applications in this year for uh, over eight, one farm is over 800 acres for uh, an, ag, an ag easement. And then we're also, last year, we, we almost got just shy, like $955,000 worth of uh, awards for ag. So for, for purchasing ag easements, that'll close about 1,000 acres of ag uh, when we get the other half of the match. So it's been a tremendous year. And, you know, all that does is keep farmers in business. It keeps North Carolina's agriculture, you know, right here in North Carolina, helps it stay here. Um, because, you know, they feel, they're feeling development pressure from, from not only subdivisions and houses and people, but there's a lot of pressure from solar farms, which really aren't farms. It's sort of a misnomer. I mean, yeah. well, again, we like solar, but we don't like solar eating up sort of uh, farmland. We, Historical know, agriculture. That's yeah. right. You yeah, know, solar on, agriculture. on rooftops and things like that, we, we think make perfect sense as, as an organization. But as it, we don't want to see it churn up and eat uh, Take away farmland. wildlife. Yeah. Wildlife habitat, you know, when you look at a solar farm, it depends on what kind of solar farm it is and where it's at as to where it's important. So that's something we're able to do is, is when a landowner comes to us, we're able to rank it and say, would this property be better suited for something besides a conservation easement, right? Yeah. Or is it, yes, this property is important for, you know, it doesn't need impervious surface, such as a solar farm. It needs to be protected and maintain a row crop type history or something like that. And the wildlife that are there are going to benefit greatly from that versus, you know, another use. So, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. We're not against them. Yeah. Just to, we're able to pick where they're, where uh, easement is good and where it's not. Yeah. So, yeah, I agree. And we also got some new tools this year. I'm going to put Cody on the spot. We, we got <laughs> two new tools this year that will really help. Uh, yeah, that's big news. Yeah, I don't know yeah. we've ever talked about that before. Yeah. We've not brought it up once. So, yeah, I go ahead. Yeah. So, uh, Cody and I were talking about his schedule for, for looking at lands, and uh, he's got some help now with Sam helping him out. Uh and doing our, our easement monitoring, but uh, you know, I was like, Cody, we really need to do something maybe a, a little bit different. And I said, well, What do you think about a drone? And Cody, Cody was okay with it, but he, you know, I could, I could sense he had a little reservation. So we made a small investment in a drone this year to help him sort of see properties from a better perspective and and quicker. And uh, I'll let Cody fill you in the results, but uh, I'm excited about where it's going. It definitely saves steps. Like I will say, there's still no substitute for boots on the ground viewing a property but once you've done that a few years and you're familiar with a landowner and you know some landowners you know i hate to put it this way but there's no other way to put it some are more trustworthy than others right as far as if they're going to have a violation or not once you get a feel for that kind of internally you know you can decide whether or not to fly this drone and save you hours of walking basically and you know turn our 211 you know easement visits into uh, a lot quicker time and get a few more done in a day and also even on those properties where you're concerned there may be a violation it's a great first step to launch that thing and and get an overview and be like oh there's something going on over there and then you can kind of narrow in and walk to it and get a look so yeah i've been yeah i'll be honest i was uh, i was pretty skeptical to begin with i don't know i don't like change of any kind <laughs> and so i was and but drones are drones are the future and we've talked about it a ton from our wildlife you know you know, our wildlife inventory right. standpoint of how drones have been helpful. And, and so, yeah, it's it's been a good tool, and I think it's a good tool for, for land trusts and, and for land managers to uh, utilize. Um, it's a skill that's fairly easily learned. I'm yeah. not a 
I'm not a tech guy. Right. Um, I don't think any of us in this room would consider right. ourselves tech guys. But uh, it's uh, the technology is fairly simple. It doesn't take if you can operate a smartphone, you can operate this drone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and it works great. Takes phenomenal pictures. Um, so we're able to get some great footage and see property. So we got not only one drone, and then, and then we were fortunate enough with T Cody's relationship to even get uh, add an additional drone uh, that's going to help us do some uh, some additional wildlife inventory management. So yeah, uh, we're, we're excited about that. There's and one thing that I I would be remiss if I didn't bring up, but. With Travis and the board, um, they've put a lot of trust in, in Cody and the land management stuff that we're doing now and being good stewards of the property that we own. Not only do we you know, conserve property for public access, farmland, um, military lands, but we also own a few tracks ourselves. And the board and Travis have given Cody and now myself a directive to be able to manage those and have given us the you know confidence to uh, or have confidence in us enough to purchase equipment to manage that. Um, so that we're not only owning this land and protecting it, but being good stewards of it. And I think that's uh, that's really something. I'm sure Cody's fired up. About yeah, it. it's funny. I, I was just I was talking to Brian yesterday about it, and um, he was asking me, you know, how I thought it was going and right. how this year was going. I was like, I think land trust is as good a shape as it's ever been in. Right. And he was asking me about my job specifically, and I told him I was like, well, when I first came here, I was like, it was it was a lot to learn in a really short amount of time and with not a lot of training because you know that's right everybody had their own job that's right and so i kind of had to just learn about easement monitoring i knew how to interpret an easement and read them from you know prior jobs but you know not to the level that we're doing here yeah so that was the learn part but the part i was like but the management part which was the other part of you know why i was hired in the first place i was like that was easy i was like I, that was something i'd been doing for you know, 10, 15 years and, and knew how to do it. I was like, I just had to learn how to do it with no tools. <laughs> and, and so it's funny, you know, looking back then to now, yeah, right. the, the equipment, you know, right. we've, we've made strides in equipment and now we've got a, basically a fully outfitted set of heavy equipment yep. to operate, you know, and do, you know, extreme habitat manipulation and management, you know, from the tractor to, um, you know, the implements that we've got with it, tractor, bush hogs, discs, um, cedar i mean we've got a little bit of everything now yeah um, sprayer and so uh then we added yeah. just recently we added this uh this john deere gator and this ain't your grandpa's gator <laughs> this gator right here is a uh i guess it's considered a four seater yep. gator right it looks like a it looks like a you know tricked out rock crawler gator with a uh extra bench like a back seat so it's like a limo type deal it's got a dump bed I mean, what else? They got a roof, winch. Yeah. Um, we were in the uh, we were in the Christmas parade mm, in Statesville. Sta I knew you were waiting for it. <laughs> we were in the Christmas parade yesterday in Statesville, getting some getting some great compliments on our wheels. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're excited to have that. And you're thinking, well, what what does a land trust need that for? Well, we need it for a couple things. One, number one reason is prescribed fire. So there's nothing worse than having to walk an entire fire break and it's not effective it's not super safe to be honest you really need a, a unit you can ride around on and have you know total visibility of what's happening and have you know most importantly water resources on hand um, we were doing a lot of burning with uh, water resources fairly far away um, which is you know okay if you plan it right but we're going to be a lot a lot better shape and I'm going to feel a lot more comfortable than I did you know last year yeah. this time but we've got it for that, but also we've got it for all these events we put on that Sam talks about and I talk about and Travis talks about with our, you know, 
every event. You know, you think about it, there's a ton of events where a gator's going to come in handy. So, yeah, that's that's what it's for. Yeah. And, and the board the board wanted to know that one of the first questions I have, one of the officers asked me is, does Cody have all the equipment that he needs? And, and I, I, you know, I answer truthfully. And, and he, as far as I know right now, he does. We've we, we got a few things on the, on the to-buy list, but nothing out of the ordinary. And, you know, they want to make sure that the staff's properly outfitted to manage the 7,000-plus acres that we now own as an organization. So uh, it's encouraging to see that kind of uh, help from the board and, and, and determination from the board to make sure we, we have what we need. And one thing that happened to us just recently was we were down at the point somebody had harvested a, a yeah. deer and we were going working with our partners the wildlife resource commission to do some um disease sampling and we're down there and this fellow who had harvested this deer was one just talking about the sports and access program so another thing that we do on this land that cody's managing is it's not only something that we're managing and then holding and then having for events but we're also i mean this is something that we're opening up and letting the public use and enjoy whether it be through a hiking event or through like the event that we had at the point where we had a lunch and had a pig picking or through the sportsman program and this guy was raving about it and said i'm just really excited to harvest a deer on public land this year yeah and yeah. you know we thought about that for a little bit and we're chuckling about it and then we were cody and i talked about it later and we were like you know really it this is kind of like public land i mean it's privately owned but we anybody in the world can put in for it and we're managing it. They get to support local conservation by, you know, donating to this program, and then they get to come out here to this property that anybody can come to and see what conservation is all about: um, sound wildlife biology and uh, and proper management. So, um, something that you know, it's just a testament to Cody's work out there and um, us the, opening up our lands. Yeah, the board, the board, several board members say that's the key to our growth. You know, we've grown from an organization when, when Mikey and I first started of 400 members to now we're over 1,600 members. Uh, to, they see that. Board members mention to me all the time that the sportsman program is really what they see is the catalyst that has caused that growth. And we haven't seen – there's only right, right around 200 sportsman members, but they just see it as being uh, sort of open to, to different points of view, sort of like y'all talking about with Mark last week, the REI crowd and the Cabela's crowd. Well, we, we're, we're that land trust. We're, we're both those entities meet. And, and we want to be that land trust. I mean, and I would encourage other organizations that are land trust to not just be an REI crowd or not just be a, a Cabela's crowd, but to, to be both. I mean, you've got to have both. And uh, the more we do, uh, it helps us both out. So both our interests. So it's been a great year for the land trust. I, I really, um, I can't imagine it going any better. Uh, got to go through accreditation. We've gotten reaccredited. We're, we're trying to get reaccredited. And uh, we have an application due uh, here into the week. But uh Right now, uh, everything's looking pretty good, so that'll happen. And what, is, what does that mean? So, um, land trust have an accreditation process. Uh, we went through it back in 2014, before I was here, and got accredited by the uh, Land Trust Alliance. Uh, we, we're being held to national standards, and so uh, every five years, you've got to sort of reapply. They look at your credentials and ask you questions and see what you've done, and so we're, we're doing that. Um, and uh, so they gave us a, a first go round, and uh, we're responding to that. And hopefully, we'll hear back from them in February that everything is good to go. You know, another thing we haven't mentioned this year, guys, is that our partners, well, uh, the North Carolina Wildlife Federation, recognized us as the yeah, land conservationist of the year. I mean, so again, uh, just a banner year for the land trust overall. Yeah, it's been it's been a it's been a busy year, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of tired just talking about <laughs> it. And you can imagine with the accreditation and merging of two organizations yeah, right. and everything. I mean, it's, it's a serious process and a very you know a 
thorough investigation that they do, making sure that everything's right to fit these national standards. So uh, it's a lot of work, but um, we're happy to be kind yeah. of coming in on the final stretch there for yeah, sure. We sure do. We hope so. Hope it's the final stretch. Yeah, I think so. Um, as far as that goes, anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, with, with merging, it's it's uh, it's one of those things where you said it before. There's growing pains, but you know, there's growing pains with anything you do. And uh, the good thing about it is, is that's going to just guarantee our conservation existence into the future. Yep. Um, which is not only important for my job, right? Which is important, but right. it's important for the the Central Piedmont of North Carolina all the way into the Sand Hills. Yep. I mean, it's important. And one other thing about this year, it's our first full year as Three Rivers Land Trust. Yeah. So, I mean, just adding all that we've done this year together with the fact that we had a brand new name and had to reestablish name recognition and all that stuff. And change property ownership to yeah. the new oh, name. Man. And yeah. every organization we work with go through the yeah. name change process. Yeah. What a nightmare. Yeah. Oh, that. You go back. You go back to August of 18, you look at, at – uh, the name change. You go to November of eighteen. Look at Major League Fishing, and then you start start this year with merger, reaccreditation, uh, March of thirty thousand. I mean, you guys have been busy, and and I heard from the uh, a donor today just about how impressed they were with how much we get done, and uh, it's a testament to you guys just uh, taking it upon yourselves, like this podcast. You guys said let's do this, and and you invested the money in it, and you guys have made it a success, and that's, that's just. It's the kind of employees we have. Yeah, I'm turning reimbursement for this money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go ahead and say, I'm just kidding, invest, in, uh, invest in money into this. It cost us about 100 bucks, maybe. That's all the yeah, money we got we, in we there. Got, As you can probably tell by the audio quality. The quality of this show. <laughs> yeah. We say it all the time. We're not podcasters, don't claim to be, don't particularly want to be. But uh, it's a, it is a phenomenal tool. It's just, that's some, you've yeah. done a good job of assembling a team of people that are good at using the tools, man. man. The the tools of getting the word out today are not the tools that I was familiar with growing yeah. up or you were, or even you, Sam. I mean, they're different. They're not the tools you grew up with. Social media wasn't a thing when you were a, a little kid. No. Um, so I, can't, I can't say enough about the staff. I mean, each one was handpicked. And I, 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 my one claim to fame, I might have mentioned it before, is that I, I got to pick each one of them this year. And, um, man, it's it, – I wouldn't trade anybody for anything. They are they are absolutely professionals at what they do, and they they get after it. And uh, I, I'm certainly appreciative of, of their efforts. Uh, hope, hope folks in the region are because they really work hard to, for your donations that come in. Um, you want to talk about a uh, little competition we we got amongst ourselves? Yeah, you might as well bring it up, man. Uh, if you want to, I, I, if we don't talk about it, it's not gonna hurt my feelings. <laughs> Well, that's because we're behind, say, and I'm tagged just, out. Look at this list. So we got this list of notes, things to talk about, and at the end of it, it says Sam's big old buck. Yeah, so Sam, just you know, well, let's, set it, let's set it up. Set we'll, it up. We'll, we'll, set we'll it up. Set him up because he's he's in the lead right okay, now. Okay, every I'll I'll set it up. I'll set it up. <clears throat> every single year, Cody kills the biggest deer, and the more turkeys, and I miss turkeys every year. And Travis doesn't get a shot. Doesn't get a shot. And is, you know, hunt with his archery. Equipment. No, here's Travis. Travis doesn't go, but about three times, it's like I gotta get back to work. <laughs> Dude, that's, that's Travis when it comes to turkeys. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Dude, turkeys, it went, that's right. I was like, you ain't never gonna kill one in the office. There, there's never been a turkey killed in this. Office. Uh, despite all the Jake beards on the wall oh, behind yeah. Cody's oh, I office, got, I got. They're not all Jakes. Damn. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, so we had just an internal competition every year where we just we'd see who's going to end up getting the biggest buck, and it's just something fun we do, and it's 
doesn't really mean anything other than just us picking at each other. And it ain't just the three of us that participate. No, it's, it's Mikey. Excuse it's me. It's Mikey, Mikey Steely, uh-huh. and Crystal. It's Crystal. Uh-huh. Crystal's yeah. in it, too. Oh, yeah. Everybody's in it. Oh, yeah. So, um, and, yeah, this year I just got lucky. I mean, it's Cody's, Cody is usually number one by a long shot. And I actually was on, got a sports and access program draw, and uh, barely got to go out. I hunted one time during the week because I was working. And then had Saturday, but found some um, some good buck sign and, and found a pretty good spot that I was interested in. And um, Lowwater Bridge is so cool, man. Just one of the properties that we manage and that we that we own is just from wildlife habitat and just gigantic oak woods that you can see 200 yards, 360 degrees, to grave sites from the 1600s or excuse me, from the 1700s to um, open mine shafts on the property that have bats and it's just timber rattlesnakes. It's just so cool. Um, and something that I'm really glad that we own and that we manage and allow the public to use. And I was fortunate to get a draw and, um, went out there Saturday and got up really early and tried to slip into my spot. I was just getting blown up by deer. I mean, as you can imagine, trying to walk through oak woods like that with acorns and leaves. I mean, there's just no slipping in there, no matter how quiet you're trying to be. And, um, went in with no light, you know, and still getting blown up. But got really fortunate and just happened to be in the right spot at the right time. And um, bucks are still rutting right now because um, I heard bucks fighting. And then – There's your hot tip. Yeah, a doe came in, and he was right on her on her heels with his nose to the ground following her. And um, I was going to say it, I missed my first shot. <laughs> I would not have told that. I, yeah, I wouldn't have either. I don't mind. I don't mind. I've never missed – my rifle, I don't think, on a deer before. Just like we were um, talking about with Mark. Telling, telling people you're not a superhero. Yeah, just, I'm not a superhero. Just a man. I'm, I'm yeah, just, I'm a, just man. a guy. I'm just a guy, and I missed. Clean miss with my first shot. Um, and he was at 125 yards. Just easy shot, broadside, and just quickly reloaded and immediately shot again. And um, second one was right where it needed to be. And he was a 11-point buck. Missing two or missing three times from fighting, um, but he's, he's a warrior. He's yeah. the biggest. He's the biggest deer I've ever. He's biggest deer I've ever killed, um, and just really excited. And it was just. I mean, it couldn't have been better. I I'm red and green. I think I've talked about this before. I'm red and green colorblind, so I couldn't find a blood trail for like <laughs> thirty minutes, and I was sweating. I thought I'd missed again. I was just so disheartened, and ended up getting him and um, cleaning right there on the banks of the Uwari River and. Um, hauled my meat out and it's sitting on ice right now about to make some burger with it. So right. Something you said, you're like the sixth person to kill their biggest buck ever on Land Trust. This year's been crazy, SAP. Man. Well, just in the history of the SAP program, I can think of five people for sure that told me that it was their biggest buck they'd ever harvested and ever, ever, yeah. and they'd ever seen. This year. So you make number six. Yeah, but this year. And this year year alone, there's at least three. First deer. Yeah, three first deer and first bucks. And first bucks. I mean, two guys in the last two weeks shot their first deer. One guy, I'll just tell this story because I just talked to Ryan um, a second ago. His buddy and him um, put in, Griffin is actually the name of the guy, has been in the sportsman program since it started. This is his third year. He's a duck hunter. And he's always wanted to kill a deer, and he's been putting in the program and had chances and just didn't get it done. And this year he shot. We got to be there when he, you know, when he brought it out. Right. It was an eight-point buck. 
and he's just over the moon about it. He's texting. He texted me eight photos of that deer. And it was a great deer, and it was. I mean, and then we had another guy harvest his first eight point and first deer, all in the same thing. So it's just well, the program's um, grown so much. I mean, it, it's it's certainly thanks to the management that takes place that you guys do, but and, and the, the advertising, the marketing that the stealing and others do. But I mean, for people in out of state, how far away? I mean, all the way up the East Coast, all the way down to Florida. I heard some out west. I heard, I heard Nevada. Did I hear in Nevada? Mm-hmm. Las Vegas. Yeah, Las Vegas. Folks from Las yep. Vegas. I mean, that, that are finding out about it. We got a call. We got an email the other day from a guy in South Carolina or Florida or South Carolina. I can't remember which. Just complimenting the program. Just want to know if they if they have one like if we knew of one down there uh, wherever he was from, and uh, you know it's just great to see a program that generates that much interest in conservation and what we do, and uh, you know it's, it's been a great win for the for the land trust and, and a great partnership with our with our members. Yeah, and it actually, you know, it's funny, generating interest, it actually keeps my interest in the job. Like, yeah, if I was managing a piece of property that nobody ever got to see or use or have fun on, right? what's the fun in that? Right. I mean, if I can't use it and nobody else can use it, what's the fun in managing it? There's right. not that much fun in it. Yes, I should still do it, right? but it's not that much fun. Right. This way, it keeps my interest a little bit. And yeah. can't take much credit for the Low Water Bridge deer. They were... They're just they're just good big bucks down there. Yeah. I mean, they're just good, good age structure down that way. Good age structure, good habitat for the most part. We're doing everything we can to make it better. And I think this year, with the work we've done through timber harvests and and TSI work there and burning, I think it's been the best year it's ever been down yeah. there. I think from at least our three experiences, yeah. in terms of numbers and quality deer, we've seen a lot. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this this whole November for me has been my best deer season from a. A viewer's perspective, as, as a, I told you that you know, I never got to communicate more with deer than I have this year, as far as grunting, rattling, uh, bleeding, uh, snort wheezed. I mean, you know, just all kinds of stuff took place, and and you know, I had two different deer snort wheezed at me grunting. I mean, it was just it was a, it was a lot of fun, and I know I don't want to take too much time on, on hunting, although we like it a lot. We could talk about it forever, but uh, you know, the, the SAP program is something that really, hopefully, is is a monumental change for. I hope more than just our land trust, but certainly our land trust. Yeah, I want another land trust to do it so I can go to their yeah, right. places mm-hmm. and, and hunt somebody else's Seriously. managed stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be yeah. great. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's been good, and you know, I can say since I've been here, I've definitely saw habitat improvements on the point stuff because that's where we do yeah majority of our intense management. I've saw a ton of habitat improvement, and, and I've seen the wildlife there benefit from it. Yep, um, just from turkey broods and deer numbers, and and you know reduction in invasive species. We've yep. We've seen a real big uptick, so that's great. Yep. Um, yep. Thanks for getting us the tools we need to yeah, keep you, it going. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's talk 2020. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about, uh, Travis, um, what's uh, what's the plan for the future in the short term? So uh, we're going to get through this reaccreditation, hopefully in February. Uh, that's near term. Um, we're going we're to come right out of the gate pretty hard with events. So uh, Conservation Classic uh, with our clay shoot. Uh, we really need to do that to, to take an uptick. We've got an event in the Sand Hills in May. Um, Conservation-wise, you know, we're going to keep keep hammering away. We've we've got some potential big projects out there, uh, sort of lingering. Besides Alcoa, we've got some 1,600 acre, acre projects that people are kicking around. So um, we're excited about next year's, both from a conservation perspective and a and a membership sort of development, a member development perspective. Uh, the effort's going to be there. Um, we've got a bigger staff than we ever have. We're covering more area than we ever have, and we're going to do a lot more driving than we've ever done. Yeah. So uh, we're going to be busy. Yeah. Uh, it's not slowing down uh, as much as we like to think it is, um, but uh, it's lining up. If everything stays on track, it's going to be a fantastic year next year. 
look forward to talking about next year, this time, uh, maybe having me back, and I can, I can feel you on how it went. But that's, that's where we're headed. Remind everyone, including myself, um, when you when – you, whether you donate a dollar or ten dollars yeah. or whatever, you, your general member, whatever, sportsman member, right? Ever how much you donate, remind folks how those dollars are used and how people can pick specific projects, how we leverage them, yeah. The whole nine yards on why being a member of our organization or just being a, a general donor is a good thing. Yeah, that's a great question, Cody. So, yeah. every operational dollar that we get, the operational dollars are really two categories of funding. There's operational dollars, which pays the pay the staff and keep the lights on and, and you know make sure the truck has gas to move and the tractor does. There's those kind of dollars and there's, and there's project dollars. So for every dollar that we raise uh, operationally through grants or donations or um, some combination of both, we basically leverage every dollar 13 times this past year. So that's two years in a row we, we leveraged yeah. it 13 times. Mm-hmm. So for, um, for a dollar you donate, you're saying we have $13 to work with. We'll have $13. Every operational dollar we raised this past year, 13, 13 project dollars to go towards that. So we got $13 of conservation out of it for every $1 of, of paying the staff and See, paying I to keep the lights on. I think that's impressive. Yeah. That's a stupendously high number. Yeah. yeah. I don't think there's many organizations that do the type of work we do that can say that. Um, explain, so... The importance of a land trust, and I don't want to cut you off on no, that's fine. on getting back to the dollars and where they go, but, um, you know, you said grants, and we, we were able to leverage that money by applying for grants. And you may be thinking as a listener, well, why do I need to give my money there? Why can't the grant, yeah. Why can't somebody just apply for their own grant? Well, it doesn't work that way with grants. It, there has to be an, uh, a nonprofit in place to apply for those grants, someone that has the knowledge to actually make the application worthy of, getting the dollars to begin with and in that case somebody has to get paid to do it and that's where land trusts come in Um, they hire specific people with the knowledge to apply for those grants through all the different companies and businesses that do grant funding and therefore that's where those dollars are going to get that person to do that work and then to get those grants to come in and then you've got specialists that you know, know where that money should go from there. Yeah, I mean, th- that's a great question. We raise a lot of money, and, and people say, "Well, I don't need to give to them; they're they're stacked." Well, that's not really true. Um, we raise a lot of money for conservation, but if we weren't here, if we didn't pay the staff to do that, um, you know, we w- there wouldn't be an organization to do it. So, you know, f- for those grants that come in, very few grants. In fact, I know of no grants that we applied for last year that really cover operational costs. You might get a little side benefit, but not very much. The majority of the cost, uh, people want to fund projects. They want to see conservation done. So, you know, that's how we get that money. It's those steadfast $35 donors all the way up to whatever number you want to send in. It's those donors that pay the light bills that keep us here doing our jobs. And, and we couldn't do that without them. And then the, those other funders are very important to get the projects done. But uh, you got to have somebody here to, to answer the phone and to do that. And if to you do don't, the job. That's right. So that's why if you think, well, I don't want to give – you know, just operational dollars yeah. because it's not going to a conservation project. It is. It's going to a hundred conservation projects. That's right. That was the point I was trying to get. Yeah, across. that's exactly right. Um, because I've I've definitely thought that in my mind before, thinking, well, how do I want to give my twenty five dollars this month? Do yeah. I want to, you know, do I want it to be operational dollars or do I want it to be for the Alco project, right. for example? And I'll switch it up. Sometimes sure. I'll do one or the other. But you know, don't think that operational dollars are just paying like gas bills and stuff. Yeah. That's not what they do. They're going to conservation. Yeah. Um, but they're also helping 
you know, all the other things that are going on. We had a conservation easement donation this year that was in excess of a million dollars that was donated. And if there wasn't an organization to receive that, then it wouldn't have happened. So, uh, you know, that was a very important project from a water quality perspective. And so, you know, it's just uh, it's just good to have an organization like us here. Uh, and we're just we're proud to serve this area. I mean, we're, most of us are from here. Sam is from South Carolina, but we've adopted him. And I think we got him broke in now to North Carolina if he'll change his barbecue views a little bit. Um, yeah. But other than that, uh, you know, it's, it's important. Maybe some of those sports teams, too. Yeah. I, I care. Oh, my God. Don't but, even get into that, dude. My but God. How about App State? Yeah. What about them? They, they pulled it out, but they, they went slack on me in the fourth quarter. And I, would, I wanted a cotton bowl, but I did not get a cotton bowl. I'm going to the UAB carrier bowl, whatever, and play, playing UAB. But uh, and, and the coach has already left me. The coach, yeah. the coach got a job at Missouri. Got so, a new job. So uh, not, uh, I'm not in love with that. But there's, uh, a, there's a reason I haven't really done a college football corner in in the last. <laughs> Sorry, man. I, <laughs> I shouldn't have brought it up. But uh, yeah, the, the Dirty Dogs, who I was predicting to be your 2019 national champions, my God. Yeah, it didn't go well. Fell off the wagon. Travis, after I texted you guys when I shot that, <laughs> well, shot well, that deer, <laughs> <laughs> Travis texted me and was like, man, if the dogs win tonight, it could be a banner day for you. And then just, in just I mean, salt in the I wound. I saw that middle text of the, the next game, morning. And I didn't respond to you either. <laughs> I saw it salt the next of the, I mean, I'm watching the game and Georgia's losing by 30 points. And Travis texts me out of the blue and says, one out of two isn't bad. <laughs> oh, my God. Get some. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's, we're getting out of the left field here. Yeah. Let's, uh, so, let's track back around okay. to you know, donors' dollars and how we're using them. And so, would you encourage a donor? What's so our what's, biggest weakness? Is that what yeah, you want to ask? Yeah. What's the, where are we lacking, and where do we need the help? And and how can somebody with uh, you know, like my income, a yeah. low income, not low income, but yeah, know, normal, normal person, normal working, blue yeah. collar income. Yep. How can they be of of help? Yeah. We we need them and their neighbors to, to be a consistent giver. So think about it this way. Um, think about it in the basketball analogy. We're on, we're on there. We we have some some big donors who give uh, a tremendous amount to help run the organization and, and give to projects. Um, if we miss one of those jump shots, uh, we call that a, like a three pointer. Getting one of those donors to give. Uh, if we miss that, then it's a, it's a bad day for everybody. Uh, we'd rather have people that are like us, who are sort of normal folks, who are those two-point buckets, they're the layups of the world, and we want more layups uh, than long-range jumpers. So we want everybody involved in conservation. There's a place for everybody. Uh, and so we want those, those $35 donors, up to $100 donors, whatever you want to uh, give to help, uh, help get things done and get conservation done here in our region. Nobody's going to do it for us. That's the thing that I think that, you know, we rely on the government for a lot of things. But the government's not going to do a lot of conservation work here in the central Piedmont. They've got the coast to deal with, who have a lot of tourism dollars, and they've got the mountains to deal with with a lot of tourism dollars. And the Piedmont gets overlooked a lot. So if we want to conserve, if you, you, know, you said you'd like things the way they are. I've been to a ton of zoning meetings in my prior career that people would say, I want things to say just like they are. And, again, we're not anti-growth, but we're, we're, we're really focused on making sure we're ahead of the growth and conserving those areas before the growth gets there. And we have an opportunity to do that where other land trusts don't. So mm. we need those regular folks to support this organization. And if you actually are, are better off and you have more income, you know, we love an operational gift there. But if you can help with the Alcoa project or any of our land protection projects, look on our website. We've got a lot listed that you can pick from if something strikes your fancy. Um, you know, take a look at it. And we're going to have three signature projects we're going to mm. unveil this year when the board approves it on Friday. 
we won't unveil them quite yet, but uh, three key projects that we need to get done. And so one on being Alcoa, and actually three more sort of sub-regional projects that span that span the region. So uh, we're excited about going into 2020 and uh, seeing where it takes us. And you, Go ahead. Yeah, you said one thing about, you know, why don't you apply for these grants yourself kind of thing. And so I think I've told this on the podcast. I'm moving into a new position. I'm going to be the associate director of conservation where I'm going to be kind of the right-hand man to Cody and Crystal. And that's really put me in the last few months getting – versed somewhat trying to get versed in in grants and the conservation side of what this organization does so I've, i have a pretty decent base knowledge from working here for the last three years almost um but applying for these clean water grants applying for the adfp grants it is a long and extremely complicated process and we're extremely fortunate to have crystal and, and the staff that we do um everybody yeah. i mean everybody on our staff that can kind of work together to get these done because they're not there are months and years of work and a long grueling process to get them done and it takes it takes those professionals to do it and I'm you know like I said I've been working here for three years and I'm still learning a right now a heck of a lot about um, being able to help crystal out in that process because it is tough and um, that's where those operational dollars that's you know that 13 leveraging 13 times that's where it's going it's going to do that work, which is extremely difficult. And, um, it takes time, three years to close a, a farm project. I mean, it takes three, three years. years to close a federal farm project. And, and that's us working as fast as we can and our, and our government working apparently as fast as they can too. So, um, Yeah, you said it. Yeah. And then on top of that, it's not the work's not done when the conservation easement is closed. Right. Somebody has to ensure that that conservation easement is being adhered to. And guess who that falls on? Yeah. Us. That's right. And nobody's nobody's giving you a donation for that right you know to, for that project there yeah. once the project's closed there's no more time to donate for that project yeah we're that's, tied to that that thirty thousand acres we've conserved or we'll have conserved by the end of the year we're tied to those lands forever and we're going to bat for them yeah so when when the fella the or gal who put the conservation easement on and originally worked with the land trust get to have them because they were passionate about conservation when they're long gone they are entrusting the land trust to maintain that conservation value and that's why we're here so when they're long gone we're still going out to that property no matter who the owner is and ensuring that those conservation values are in place through monitoring and in in some instances even enforcement yeah um and in that case we're at a huge expense because we're actually going to court and and fixing problems to make sure that those conservation values are not lost right um nobody else is going to do that the government's not going to do that's it because right. they're not holding the easement right um and so yeah that's why that's why it's important and i always wondered I always wondered, you know, before, especially before working here, um, I would see, I'll give you an example. I would see on television, um, you know, those shows where folks buy houses and, you know, you think, God, how does people afford that? Right. And the, and the, uh, the people, they tell what they do for a living and the, you know, the man will be like a history teacher and you're like, well, they don't make any money. And then the wife would be like, and I work for a nonprofit and I'm thinking, you know, what do you, you know, obviously right. your dad had a bunch of money, you know, but I always thought, you know, well, if you work for a nonprofit, isn't that like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here, Sam? Not uh, where it's a uh, hypocrisy to actually earn money from working for a Oh, yeah. A make non-profit. money? Yeah. Yeah. I was trying to trip, figure out, you know, what's the deal? So you still got to get paid to do the job. You're an educated professional doing a job. Um, 
it's not like you're taking conservation dollars away by getting a paycheck. That's what I'm yeah. trying to get. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's no, what I'm trying right. to get. I don't want people to think, well, if I'm, I'm just giving them money to take home and spend on their kids. Right. Like, that's not that's not where it goes yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, and I've, one other thing that I need to bring up is we've talked about the conservation side a lot, but coming from my old position, I think a lot of credits needs to go to the membership and outreach team too. Um, God, so I've been working there for the last three years, and in terms of – turning dollars, donors' dollars around into more money. Uh, we do that through the events that we have and we put on, and then we also, and please come out to any of the events. We have something for everybody, um, and we put a lot of work into hosting those and getting people outside and whatever it is you like to do. I'm sure we got something for you, but not only that, but like Travis alluded to earlier, the increase in members, the increase in name recognition, all that stuff helps more projects come through the door and, um, I feel like I've, I see stickers. I see Three Rivers Land Oh, Trust. I get fired up when I yeah, see them. Yeah, I see them around now. Yeah, I see I people. Too. I see hats. Um, and that's all the membership and outreach team, Mikey and Steely and everybody. I mean, they. Um, a lot of credit goes to them, too. I think we're all working together and um, all have an important role to play. It helped so. to get a cool logo, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. it did. <laughs> it is a cool yeah, logo. Yeah. It helped to get a cool I love logo. seeing them. God, I love seeing them. I do, too. It's just, the thing is, is we all support – I tell them that we support our churches, you know, we support our other, you know, conservation counterparts, you know, I'm not going to list them all because we all support different ones, you know, from NWTF to Rough Grouse Society, everywhere. We, we, yeah. we all individually on our own do that too, but we also support, you know, the outfit we work for. Yeah. And we're proud to do that. Yeah. And I think that anyone who's listening to this podcast is probably in the same boat as we are. You know, you're try, you're struggling to figure out where do I, you know, where do I give my my money? year end gift, yeah. Yeah, where do I give my year end gift? And you know, I'm not trying to buy, I'm not trying to sell you on giving your year end gift here. I'm not not trying to do that, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's the thing. I, yeah. I want you to understand that you're you're not just throwing your money away by doing that. No, I mean it's just like you know, everybody talks about it on, on Giving Tuesday, on Small Business Saturday, and on, on Black Friday. You know. The, those small business dollars on, on Small Business Saturday, they stay local and they do a lot more for your community than, than shopping in Amazon on Black Friday or Cyber Monday. So, you know, same same with conservation. I mean, you can give to those other national organizations and they do good work nationally. But if you want to see something done here locally, you know, we're, we're, the, we're the game in town. There's not anybody else doing it. So uh, we love your support and uh, appreciate you listening to this podcast. If you got this deep in the podcast, then you've, you've gone a long way. So <laughs> yeah. we well, appreciate it. Well, we use, I think our, our listenership consumption rate is pretty good. The folks that listen, they, they consume the whole thing, Yeah, which is, which is good. This is an important thing to talk about. Um, lastly, I guess if you really want to leave a legacy, a huge, big legacy for the future forever, you know, a huge, big old fat gift for conservation on a project might put your name on it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, I mean, no well, kidding. There's lots of ways to give. I mean, so folks that have an IRA that are, are retired or have I mean, yeah, an IRA. Yeah, talk about, man, yeah. that's perfect. Talk about all the ways there are to give besides yeah. just stroking a check. So you can stroke a check. Obviously, a check or cash or credit card, any of those online. But if you have an IRA and uh, you can actually give some of your earnings that you earned this year so you don't have to pay capital gains on it and you also get a tax deduction on it, you can have those wired straight to straight to us if, you, if we're your, your charity of choice. Um, you know, estate planning. We've had two estate plans this year that folks have said, you know, uh, it's in my will that when I pass away, which I follow, you know, I'll eventually do that, that, uh, you know, our, my estate, my 89 acres in Iredell County or my whatever comes to the land trust and I want it used for these purposes. And, and you know, those are great ways to plan ahead. Um, 
for, for making sure that your legacy, which is Cody's talking about, is, is kept in, in perpetuity. I mean, so, you know, we put that work on that money to work on the ground or that land conserved on the ground and, and it stays that way forever. So there's lots of ways to give. Uh, you just call the office and, and we'll help you figure it out what works best for you. But um, those are a couple easy ways. And we had somebody do a gift this year um, from their IRA, from their investment account, their RRA, a tax gift or a stock. We take stocks as well. If you want to shovel some stocks over, uh, we do that as well. So there's all kinds of ways to give. Just contact me at the office and uh, we'll, we'll obviously talk in private and, and let you decide what works best for you. But uh, you can definitely make an impact for conservation that will last forever. One other way I want to ask you about, and we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but I've, I've been asked this question in the past week about trade lands. Yeah. Can you explain trade lands? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, that's, that's okay. great. It's a good question. So if you have a, if you own a lot, um, uh, say an acre of land, uh, that's really not a conservation project for us unless it has something truly special on it. Um, so a lot of folks, uh, in fact, we had a donor several years ago give uh, us a, a, a block of land that says, you know what, you can do whatever you want to with this piece of land. I'm going to take a tax deduction for the donation of it, but you can sell it and, and, and it can fund your operations or it can fund your land protection projects. So um, we had one happen in Salisbury, one happened in Southern Pines this year. Um, and so what we've done with that land is we're going to end up selling it on the open market. It's generally in an urban area. It's an area that needs to be developed because we would rather have houses developed where the core of development takes place inside cities with water and sewer rather than out there in the countryside where you ruin uh, potentially, you know, the land we're trying to conserve. So, you know, not saying we won't do urban projects, just saying that, you know, if you've got some land that's sort of not doing anybody any good and it's in town, uh, you know, if you want to give it to us, we would we would sell it, use those proceeds to conserve land elsewhere. And that's that's what we're doing with the lands, uh, not only here in Salisbury, actually two here in Salisbury and one in Southern Pines. And uh, it, it really helps us go a long way. Yeah, I think that those are good donations. Uh, um, excellent. Absolutely. Um, they usually uh, generate, you know, cost per effort is pretty good on those. That's right. And it's like you said, we're that helps us guide folks into developing areas that should be developed right. and that are already developed and have the amenities already in place versus going farther out into the wild right. and, and, you know, potentially ruining a, a wild place. Forever. That's right. Um, so that's one of the ways we're able to have a little bit of control over that, not... not yeah. Control's a bad word, but um, we have a say so in it. A yeah. Say so. That's right. So yeah, I, that's why I wanted to mention trade yeah. lands. Um, not that I have a problem. But with uh, that's that's not say not every land is a trade land. The donor has to specifically say you can. This is our intent. You can use it. However, not every land we own is a trade land. I want to make that distinction very yeah, clear. Majority is not. Yeah, that's right. The majority come with a, a donor's intent is to conserve this forever, and we honor that intent. So that that I want to make that very clear that this is not just every land we own is is open to that. It's just the ones that are given with the intent from the donor to be able to trade those uh, to fund our operations or our, our land protection program. Right. Yeah, and we're not really in the business of owning a whole bunch of property. Um, right. We're in the business of owning some showcase pieces for our members and for like the SAP program and for the public and the rest of the stuff we're interested in transferring it to the public trust. That's right. Um, so that when we purchase properties, we typically purchase them the whole because like you said, Uncle Sam's not as fast yeah. as we are, or right. as NWTF is, or as Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation is. You know, it's the nonprofits that get all your public lands. No matter which ones they are, it's the nonprofits that are that are putting that first thing forward. TNC, whoever. Yeah, that's it's right. the nonprofits that are putting that first foot forward and, and getting things happening, whether you know it or not. A that's lot right. of times. Yeah, I, the forest. I mean, there, there service, was, they, yeah. they they won't even talk to a private landowner. They would rather deal with somebody that we've already 
we've already got it taken out, and then they know they have a solid takeout partner. And when we buy land and we conserve land, we look at who's the likely takeout partner for this land. It could be the uh, Wildlife Research Commission, Forest Service, U.S. Forest Service. Uh, there's all kinds of local parks, state parks. Yeah, and I'm, so glad, it's, I'm glad it's you all. said that. The Forest Service, you can't even go to the Forest Service and say, I've got 100 acres that touches Forest Service land I want to give to you or sell to you. They won't talk to you. They say, go talk to the land trust. We deal with them. Yeah, pretty and, much. And that's just how it works because there's a whole lot of processes that's right. to yeah. transferring land to the yeah. federal government that's or right. taking land from the federal government. Either way, yeah. there's a lot of processes that have to happen. So, yeah, I'm glad you said that. Yeah. So that's why we're key to adding to all those different things. Yeah. Um, Sam, how do you feel about all that? That's a lot in a little bit of time there. That's, hey, that's what happens when you hook the big kahuna, man. <laughs> Dude, I've been reeling. <laughs> My arm's tired. So we got tired. one more announcement. we got to go, hey, if you want to see the – see me or anybody else with the staff we, we, Cody did a Christmas parade this past weekend in Statesville I'm doing the one in Albemarle on the 14th uh, in downtown Albemarle so come get some candy and uh, see the new Gator rig with some signs in the back and uh, wishing everybody a Merry Christmas so yeah, I see uh, Travis waving with a yeah. Santa, you gonna wear a Santa, Santa hat? Santa hat is in order yeah oh, I gotta right. keep my head oh, nice good. and warm that's so. good that's good. That'll be fun. Are you going to take the boys with you, or are they going to be too embarrassed to ride? Ah, they're probably too embarrassed. They, oh, they probably will be hiding now. I'm thinking my wife, for sure. But, uh, <laughs> will, will she ride with she's you? She's riding, yeah. Oh, that'll be yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, she's riding. See, it's me and Brian, and I don't know what people thought of me. <laughs> <laughs> me and Brian were riding. They are like, well, who are these guys? Who are these guys? <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, and you guys fun. going into your second year. You're already one month into your second year podcast, so you're number two. Let's see what you can land this year. Yeah, we'll start season three. You know, first week of January will be season three. Season yeah. three. Wow. Oh, season three. Yeah, we'll probably get canceled. <laughs> yeah, All so. the good shows get canceled <laughs> on, the third, so. on the third season. Uh, yeah, a couple of things. Travis Travis just said, give me a call if you want to talk about some of the stuff he said. And that's I think that's a testament to the, being yeah. local. That's um, right. You know, what what executive director says, give me a call, and you can reach out and talk to him anytime. Um, and I think that's. Or come by. You can come, come by, by and yeah. see us. And, yeah, and so I think, you know, we have definitely have time for our constituents and people in our community. We want to hear from everybody, and uh, that extends to all of us. Yep. Uh, and then for next episode, I think we're going to be talking about Boone. Yeah, I'm thinking we're going to have a special guest on, and we're going to – we've talked about Daniel Boone in the past quite a bit just because he's a historical figure that's a hero of all, all of ours. But, you know, he was – traipsing around on a bunch of the land that we work on. Yep. And uh, we're going to maybe go into some depth with a real-life historian and a boon man. Yeah. A so hopefully man. that's it's either this next week or the week after. We're going to get Good. it pretty soon. So, yeah. And then the last thing is we well, – another thing we'll talk about is we have our women's hunt coming up, which is such an awesome event. It was great last year, and it's coming up this upcoming weekend on – Daniel Boone's old childhood stomping grounds. Yep, where we, we're hosting. And I've contemplated so. doing some recording out there, depending on the weather. So okay. we'll see how that goes. Okay. Well, um, yeah. So we'll keep y'all posted on that too, and that's uh, always fun. And that's put on by Mikey. So um, I know it's a lot of work for her. So shout out to Mikey on that. All right. Well, we'll talk to you whenever. Yep. If you're like us, you're riding down the road listening to the podcast on your commute. When you get to where you're going, don't forget. Like us on Facebook. Check us out at our website, threeriverslandtrust.org. There you can find out about all the events we're putting on, all the conservation work we're doing, how you can get involved, and how you can help. We'd love to meet like-minded individuals and get you involved in conservation. Till next time.